0: Today on the show, Ellen DeGeneres, Kelly Clarkson, and Dr. Phil, now Jimmy Fallon, one of the most likable celebrities on the planet, accused of fostering a toxic work environment. Is this a pattern of rare instances, or is this just how Hollywood works?
1: I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Nerds today have no idea how good they have it. Let the nerds take over!
0: Rise and shine, nerds. Grab your coffee, wipe the sleep from your eyes, and turn up the volume as we help kick off your day with Love Thy Nerds' official morning show here on YouTube and LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt. I'm the Director of Content and Resources for Love Thy Nerd,
2: And I'm Deidre scandal-free since 93
0: (laughs) thank you for making us your daily stop for the latest in nerdy news now monday through friday let's get to our top story jimmy fallon is the latest television host to face toxic workplace allegations oh no yeah
2: he's my favorite i
0: know uh Is it possible to run a daily television program without succumbing to workplace toxicity? This comes from avclub.com. In the last few years, we've seen exposés from the sets of The Ellen DeGeneres Show, the Kelly Clarkson Show, and Dr. Phil, featuring accusations of bullying leadership styles and deteriorating mental health among staffers. The Tonight show starring Jimmy Fallon can now be added to that number, as more than a dozen current and former staff members from the show have spoken to Rolling Stone about a culture of fear and anxiety behind the scenes that largely stems from Jimmy Fallon's own erratic behavior. The employees described the uncertainty as to whether Fallon would come to work cheerful and friendly or belligerent and mean, which would affect how everyone would behave in the office. Writers revealed degrading feedback from the host on their jokes. Ugh, lame. What is going on with you? You've outdone yourself. And some staffers recalling witnessing him scold or belittle crew members. Tabloid rumors have long alleged, and we're not going to get into that, uh, he might have an alcohol problem. That's all that's basically saying. Shows also suffered suffered from high turnover of upper-level staff with nine different showrunners over the course of nine years. Employees allege that the showrunners, too, were often bullies. Uh, We're just eating a lot today and not caring about what we look like, huh? One reportedly said to staffers. These whistleblowers say they found no recourse with human resources, and one staffer was even privy to emails between HR and a showrunner where the HR representative denigrated the employee to their boss. Uh, one says, the uh, they are the worst bosses I've ever had in my life. They use the position of power to bully and treat the staff that way, and the network is aware of how they treat people. They not only continue to enable it, but they reward it, one ex-employee said. Many attested to the mental health deteriorating, with three claiming to have experienced suicidal ideation as a result of the job. Mentally, I was in the lowest place of my life. I didn't want to live anymore. I thought about taking my own life all the time, said another ex-employee. I knew deep down that I would never actually do it. But in my head, I'm like, why do I think about this all the time? Um, Sheesh. Yeah. So this is not we're, not, we're not trying to be a tabloid thing. We're not trying to like do rumors, mm-hmm. you know, spread rumors or anything. We're not trying to even bash Jimmy Fallon. Uh, we're not trying to pile on him. But this does appear to be a pattern lately. Like Some of the most likable, cheery people on TV in the last couple of years have been exposed as being toxic behind the scenes. And that, that in itself is worrisome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so in another article from AV, AV Club, they followed up. Jimmy Fallon apologized. But not wh- – what makes me believe it a little bit more is that this wasn't like – one of those big public apologies on social media or whatever. He didn't go into the news. This was in a private zoom call that someone in the meeting told AV club about, or whoever wrote Rolling Stone, I guess mm-hmm. variety. Sorry. <clears throat> so it says, uh, he had gathered uh, two current and 14 former members of the tonight show family on a zoom call. Uh, and, Apologize saying, it's embarrassing and I feel so bad. Uh, Sorry if I embarrassed you and your family and friends. I feel so bad I can't even tell you. I want this show to be fun. It should be inclusive for everybody. It should be funny. It should be the best show, the best people. Uh, He also addressed the constant churn of Tonight Show showrunners, many of whom Rolling Stone reported were allegedly abusive, vindictive, or unable to rein Fallon in. Nevertheless, Fallon referred to the current showrunner, Chris Miller, as a great leader, one he expects to be around for some time. Um, Rolling Stone says the publication contacted more than 80 current and former employees of Fallon and none agreed to go on the record about their experience or had positive words for Fallon. However, one in the apology meeting said Fallon's response felt earnest. Hmm. So, I mean, that's good. Um, If earnest, that's a big deal. Because like I said, it wasn't a public thing. This wasn't a save face thing.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Those things, I feel like, are never sincere.
2: Right. It's... Everybody found out about it, so right. required to say sorry.
0: <laughs> and even if it is sincere, yeah, it's hard to get, it's hard to believe it. Yeah. Like Ellen came out and did a whole thing on her show after that came out. And I was like, this just sounds like you're trying to save face. It doesn't sound, <laughs> doesn't sound like a real apology. Right. And I'm not sure it could, just because that's the kind of culture that we fostered here. Mm-hmm. Um but here, this this was a private meeting. It seems the only reason people knew it happened is because people in the meeting made it known. Um, but there's, I mean, there's never going to be a group situation, a, a workplace where conflicts won't happen. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. easy for people in power to let that go to their head,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and sometimes something like this takes a wake up call. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I wonder how different this is anywhere else in Hollywood.
2: I don't know. I don't know. Cause it's like a, they have to do it every night, right? Like, yeah. It's a,
0: like, it's a, and I it's mean. a big process. Mm-hmm. Like, we put together this little morning show. Right. <laughs> and it takes me, it took me a solid day to come up to with. do the show prep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nothing. It right. took me a whole day to come up with content to fill like five half hour shows.
2: Right. Right.
0: You're talking massive crews, full bands, Mm -hmm. uh, live production with an audience, Mm -hmm. coordinating celebrities Mm -hmm. and guest Mm -hmm. artists and comedians Mm -hmm. and all their schedules and demands and things. Mm -hmm. You're talking writers for the the. The jokes, the monologues—you're mm-hmm. uh, having to set up a lot of these interviews in advance because they're, they're often, you know, playing to an end in an interview. It's it's rarely just a casual conversation. It's usually like we got to get to this one point, especially right, when it's right. a co- we're promoting. When, yeah, this yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot to mm-hmm. be done.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Five days a week.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of pressure.
0: So much pressure, mm-hmm. so much stress all the time,
2: and it's got to be stressed on the host as well. Sure, because you know, yes, you have that big team of writers that's in the back making that, but you're you're the one being graded
0: you're you're the face yeah're you're,
2: you're the face that's delivering it, you get to hear all the bad stuff that everyone says about you know if you if you uh, get a little too close to that, you know, is this appropriate that edge, yeah,
0: <laughs> which I think for Jimmy Fallon is harder than most because Jimmy Fallon's show as opposed to Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Kimmel, right, right, tries to kind of remain neutral in a lot of areas. Yeah. It doesn't mm-hmm. try to get overly political one side or the other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't want to alienate one fan, you know, one group that a, mm-hmm. a potential fan base, it wants to be a little bit more, Hey, this is kind of for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's why they focus a lot more on games and stuff mm-hmm. uh, in their show. And so that's also why he comes off as kind of the most likable.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because he's not belittling people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which the other two kind of slip into every now and then, Mm -hmm. belittle about half the country every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) And so it kind of, it hurts to see this. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're right. I mean, it's got to be a lot of pressure there too. And if, you know, again, not to be tabloidy about this, but just because we've worked in recovery, if that's, if alcohol is how he copes kind of yeah copes with his stress Mm -hmm. and worry about Mm -hmm. the job no brainer that that's gonna slip into how he reacts to other people Mm -hmm. the next day
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and so you know who knows who knows what needs to be done there only him Mm-hmm. He's the only one that knows what needs to be done and if he can handle it. Uh, again, I don't know if that's really the issue or not. That's just something that's been in the tabloids apparently for a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, thats it's certainly an understandable thing because
3: mm-hmm.
0: thousands upon thousands upon thousands of millions of people mm-hmm. cope the same way mm-hmm. and have the same problems just in smaller circles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, Hollywood's always been a tough business. Uh, The rider strike kind of makes it clear that low people on the ladder often get stepped on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, I don't know. I mean, that happens in all businesses, though. I worked in a restaurant. The bussers are the lowest of the low. Mm -hmm. They're below the dishwasher. (laughs) (laughs) And then you got servers, and then you got the cooks, and then you got the manager, and then you got the owner. Like, there's a hierarchy. And the lower Mm -hmm. you are on that pole, that totem pole, the kind of worse you're treated. Mm. And I don't think it's... On purpose, I think it's kind of just a natural thing that happens when there's a hierarchy mm-hmm. is people don't realize they're doing it <laughs> like, oh, he's just a buster, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> That's kind of the thought. And so you have to actively work against fostering that kind of culture in a business. Yeah. And I could just see how that would be very difficult mm-hmm. in this situation. Sure. Uh, with all those things involved. Him being the face, I think is the best point there is that. hmm his reaction to what's being written is going to be all about how am I going to sound saying this? Mm-hmm. And so if he's not actively working to be uh, uplifting and, you know, encouraging,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I can see him like, Oh, this sucks. <laughs> this is the right. worst joke I've read all day. Right. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> and not realizing just how detrimental that'll be to somebody's mental health. I'm like, okay, well I've worked on this for the last hour. And I thought it was the funniest thing I've come up with this week. And <laughs> you just said it sucks. And it's the worst thing. And I've outdone myself. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. cynical says public apologies are impossible to believe because we've been trained to believe nothing on TV is real. That's a really good point. Uh, and he sounds like he did the right thing by apologizing to the people he hurt instead of his audience. I agree. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he should address it on the show. Frankly, he doesn't owe us anything. Mm hmm. Just because we read a story about something that's happening in a private environment, he doesn't owe us anything. He owes them something. Mm -hmm. And that should be handled privately just like it appears to have been. Uh, If more needs to be done, I hope he will continue to do it. I hope he is sincere and it sounds like he at least came across that way. Mm -hmm. So, big hopes. Yeah. But if you're in a situation like that in your work... Whether you be on the low rung or the high rung, do your best to foster a better work environment and check yourself and see how you'll be how you'll be remembered one way or the other when you leave that job. Uh, yep. it's necessary. I mean, <laughs> that's about bottom line. It's necessary. You gotta you gotta do it. You gotta. Speaking
2: you gotta work with of these
0: speaking of work and working with people. Okay. Uh, in other news today. Workers are resisting calls to return to offices. This comes from MSN. Uh, Even with millions of workers across the country being asked to return to their cubicles, office occupancy has been relatively static for the past year. The country's top 10 metropolitan areas averaged 47.2% of pre-pandemic levels last week, according to data from the Castle Systems. This time last year, they averaged around 44%. About 52% of remote capital U.S. workers are operating under hybrid arrangements according to the data from Gallup, where 29% are exclusively remote. So hybrid would be you come in for three days a week, Mm -hmm. work from home two days a week. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Exclusively remote is where you're working from home all the time. Mm -hmm. And though executives like Meta's Mark Zuckerberg have argued that the rise of flexible work has been a uh, deleterious effect on productivity, data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that labor productivity rose 3.7% in the second quarter of 2023 and is up 1.3% compared to this time last year. While employers cite the collaborative benefits of spending time together in person, the majority of hybrid arrangements aren't fostering the connections bosses want to see, according to Rob Cross, associate professor, professor of management at Babson College, who studies collaboration across various companies through surveys, email, and meeting data. He found that mandates for a certain number of days in office are missing the mark because you're not getting the right people who need to collaborate. What we're seeing that's more successful is when companies are using some form of analytics to determine which workers need to come in on the same days, so which workers work best together, and so they need to be in the office at the same time. Hmm. He estimates that only about 5% of organizations are taking this approach. Leaders are just saying, we need water cooler moments, Cross says. They're not looking and saying, these are the interactions we need to stimulate growth. There's more. We don't need to read all of it, but essentially what it's saying is that we are... We're approaching a point where the company itself won't grow. Labor might be fine, Mm -hmm. but here's how I see it. LTN is 99% work from home. Right. But the one weekend this year that we came together in person to collaborate Mm -hmm. was incredibly productive. It set the tone for the next year or more. We know where we're going. It answered we had an opportunity to answer a bunch of questions that we didn't even realize we needed to ask. Mm-hmm. Like it was having having your workers together in the room is a big deal and it is different than a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. You can have a productive Zoom call, but there's something just different about actually being live with somebody. Mm-hmm. Collaboration grows, fosters in person. There are pros and cons. To both ways, mm-hmm. to working from home yeah. versus working in the office. But I only think that working from home systems are only beneficial with the way things currently work at your business. Like, okay, this is what I mean. We have a certain system, certain way of doing things, and day in day out, you have the same jobs, and you just know what you're doing, and we go... When the time comes that things need to change or update, systems change, way we're doing things change, which happens in every company, especially Mm -hmm. as technology grows. Mm -hmm. If you're not in the office collaborating and learning how to do these new systems the best way, that's where it's going to start to fall apart when everybody's working separately from home. You think so? I think so. Because how are you going to learn as a group so that you're all doing it the right way? When you're not there learning it at the same time from the same person.
2: So I work for a big company, right? right? Mm-hmm. And we have a home office that was out of St. Louis mm-hmm. and pandemic happened and everyone, you know, couldn't go into the office. And mm-hmm. so everyone went work from home. And in that time, they hired several new people, you know, to replace workers. And they're not, um, Bound to you have to be living in St. Louis anymore because now we could hire anyone from around the country to do this job from home. And so you're able to get more employees like a, that are a better fit for it. You know, you're not just bound to this one area. Sure. Yeah. In the country to draw from. And you also don't have to if you have somebody else from you know a couple states over that wants to do it you don't have to pay to move them you know they don't have to move their whole family mm-hmm. to have this job and we've been doing a big change also in the midst of all this and trying to keep the culture of the firm you know mm-hmm. is is difficult um, but I think they do a very good job with um you know we we have a lot of in in our system you read a lot of you know news about us you know mm-hmm. and and they have like you know whole pages of how different people are making a difference in their community and talking about that, and there's like a I feel like they're keeping the culture. While not physically being together. Okay. Yeah. But we do <clears throat> three times a year. At least everyone in the top half of my state, you know, all the offices come together for a meeting. Right. And that's a good time. And that's when we collaborate and when, like, all that stuff happens. Right.
0: So are you saying the people in the main office, they have people that just work from home? Uh-huh. They don't have a... Right. Office, a local office to go to. Right. With other people and staff. Okay. Right. And that seems to be working well. Uh
2: Because I'll even be like uh, talking with somebody and uh, at our home office about like a problem we're having. And they're like, let me put you on hold and uh, message my group about it. So they have like a group chat where, you know, hey, have you ever seen this problem? Uh, Does anyone know a workaround? You know, and they talk to each other, but they're not physically together in a room. Hmm.
0: Maybe it comes down to the industry itself. Yeah, uh, which, what it whichever is. specific thing. Yeah, I feel like it also might just be person to person. You know, if we're if we're being real, because mm-hmm. uh, thinking about me and how I interact, I'm okay on Zoom calls, Discord calls, mm-hmm. but in person, I'm much better.
3: Mm.
0: I feel like I can flow better. I can get a feel for what everybody else is saying better. And I have less tendency to
2: multitask.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, you, I'm on the zoom, but not, I'm also sitting here really, looking at my yeah, phone. <laughs> you're not really paying hundred percent attention to zoom calls. Right. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it might really just come down to that, but I, I guess that would make sense too, with what he's saying here with what Cross is Rob Cross is saying here is that you need to have the people that collaborate well be the ones to come in on the hybrid days together or something like that. Mm-hmm. It might, it might just come down to needing to figure that out.
2: And they do still, we, we do still have a home office in St. Louis that a lot of people went back to, mm-hmm. but not everybody, yeah. not everyone. Some, some stayed from home.
0: There is also the idea of camaraderie being important to morale. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is the, Working from, home, working from home has been touted as like it's more productive because you can wall yourself off in your office and just work and you don't have to worry about water cooler, talk for 30 minutes. You don't have to, hey, did you see the game last night? You don't have to deal with any of that, <laughs> right. which I get. You when I be I, would, I really <laughs> want to be just sealed off whenever I need to work. <laughs> but that's also draining sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you, some people anyway, some people do need
2: A mental break.
0: A mental break Mm -hmm. to go talk about the game for five to ten minutes in -hmm. the break room or whatever. Go refresh their cup of coffee, and chat.
3: You
2: Mm -hmm. know,
0: for a second or two, and you know that would give you okay. Have my mental break and go on. Mm -hmm. At home, you are more likely to have your mental break be just watching something on your phone, and it's just looking from one screen to another screen
3: Mm.
0: you know there's no eye strain break there's you know it's it's just all right i'm gonna go sit on the toilet and look at tiktok (laughs) for 20 minutes and that will be my break but that again is that that's a that's a personal thing and so that's something that you'd be responsible for yourself
2: you can go do the dishes or Mm -hmm. go do some sort of housework.
0: Mm-hmm. So I like a, I like a little bit of camaraderie mm-hmm. in my workplace. That would be fun.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I do feel like, especially over the weekend, I get just sucked into a hole of work and my eyes get blurry as the day goes on. Like I have to stop wearing my glasses for most of the day because it's too much on my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I think when you're home, Like on Saturday and Sunday, usually I'm just in my room most of the day Mm -hmm. in my office working heavily because that's when I can get most of my work done because you're home. You can watch the kids throughout the day Mm -hmm. and I can focus on work. You went camping a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And that Saturday was so miserable because I realized how important it was for me to take a break about once an hour or two hours and just go out and be in the room with my kids and my wife for mm-hmm. a little while. Yeah. Even if nothing important was happening, even if I wasn't saying a thing, just having other people present made me <laughs> relax a little bit to where I'm like, okay, I can go work a couple more hours. Yeah. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. And so that, again, might just be a personal thing for however you work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not for or against either – of the three options here, mm-hmm. but I knew this was going to be coming to a head as the pandemic was happening. Right. We've talked yeah. about what's going to change and what's not going to change, mm-hmm. what's going to be like this forever. This is going to be a hard thing.
2: From what I understand, many companies um, gave their employees the choice mm-hmm. to come back to the office or stay at home.
0: So, so yeah, some of them have, and some of them are, but some of them are like realizing things aren't working as well as they did before the pandemic. Mm. And maybe this is the reason why. So we'll see. Real quick, we got one more. We'll go through it pretty quickly. Uh, This is just an interesting interesting story. 2D to 3D AI startup was actually humans doing the work manually. (laughs) This is from (laughs) 404media.com. Uh, An artificial intelligence company whose founder Forbes included in the 30 Under 30 list recently promises to use machine learning to convert clients' 2D illustrations into 3D models. In reality, the company, called Kadim, used human artists for quality control, quote-unquote. According to two sources with knowledge of the process interviewed by 404 Media, at one point, Kadim often used human artists to make the models entirely. One of the sources said workers at one uh, point produced a 3 d design whole cloth themselves without the help of the machine learning at all. The news pulls back the curtain on the hype startup and is an example of how AI companies can sometimes overstate the capabilities of their technology. Mm. Like other AI startups, Kden wants to use AI to do tedious labor that is currently being done by humans, in this case 3D modeling, a time-consuming job that video game companies are already outsourcing to studios in countries like China. Essentially, AI uh, is good. It's still a long way away from being great. <laughs> we told you. It can't do fingers and teeth. It can't do a lot of things right now. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't believe everything you hear. Uh, okay. when they say, Hey, we got this new AI thing, it's gonna work perfectly. It's mm-hmm.
3: not. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna work perfectly. Yeah.
0: You'll still have it could it could take a little bit of the work away from <laughs> you, but you still gonna have to do some work. Mm-hmm. That wraps up today's news. We're going to take a quick break.
2: But when we come back, Matt has something to get off his chest.
0: And we'll share today in their History. Stick around.
1: What if I told you there's more than 3 billion gamers on the planet? What if I told you that we're sending missionaries into almost every culture and every country and every language on the planet, except one of the largest and most unreached people groups in the world. And that world is the world of gaming and nerd culture. With the rise of things like Stranger Things and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Dungeons and Dragons, Magic Gathering, Pokemon, Harry Potter, you name it, nerd culture has been on a rise for dozens of years, and it has outgrown Christianity by almost a billion people. My name is Mark, and I am the lead and founding pastor of Lux Digital Church. My wife and I ministered in Pittsburgh for 11 years, and then two years ago started an entirely online church that reaches people in the digital gaming community. We now have a church family that is spread across almost 16 dime zones all across the globe, and we get the opportunity every single day to actively engage in deep, impactful relationships with people, to see them not only come to know Jesus, but also to grow up in become more like Jesus. I am incredibly passionate about the church, learning how to engage the next generation, and the next generation, spoiler alert, are mostly gamers. When Jesus says to go and love your neighbor, well, statistically, if your neighbor is a teenager or younger, if they are Gen Z or Gen Alpha, statistically your neighbor is a nerd or a gamer and for the most part the church has little to no idea about how to actively engage with those subcultures and they're not even becoming subcultures they're mostly just our culture which is why us at lux digital church and also our friends over at love by nerd are putting together something called the nerd culture ministry summit this upcoming November in Marble Falls, Texas. It's a chance for you as a pastor and your team to come and learn how to actively engage in an impactful and meaningful way with a group of people that the church has largely ostracized, told their hobbies are stupid, or have mostly totally and completely forgotten about. The only way to actively engage with them and to tell them about the life-giving gospel is to build relationships with them through the things that they love. And most of those people, well, they love video games and board games, and tabletop rpgs and we want to teach and train you on how to actively get into that community so we're gathering together nerd culture ministry leaders and nerd culture ministry missionaries and we're pulling them together in one space for one summit to teach the church how to engage with this culture to build bridges between church culture in nerd culture. It's going to be in Marble Falls, Texas, this November. I hope to see you there. Make plans to be there. Go to ncmsummit.com and get registered today. It's inexpensive and a great opportunity for you and your team to learn how to connect with the next generation in a way that goes beyond just another pizza night. I'll see you there.
0: Welcome back to Rise and Shine Nerds, LTN's official morning show here on YouTube and LTN Radio.
2: For this next segment, Matt is taking the reins with something to get off his chest.
0: So your segment on Tuesday, you had something cool app to share. Guess what? What? That's what I have too. What? Cool app to share. So uh, Weird. We talked about you going away uh, camping with your family Uh a couple weeks ago. Uh And I took that opportunity to go see a movie uh, that I wanted to review for LTN. So I went to see Blue Beetle. And Blue Beetle, first of all, great movie, but that's not what we're here to talk about. (laughs) Uh, Blue Beetle, like most superhero movies, is a a good two hours plus. And as an adult man who's approaching 40, uh, I usually have to pee at least once through a movie. There is a fantastic app that I don't think a lot of people know about called Run Pee. Okay. One word, Run Pee. What it does is it has every movie currently in theaters and you can even look up older movies too and it'll tell you usually at least three options the best times to go pee and how long you have <laughs> how long you have to go pee oh and if you goodness. want you can even click a summary of what's going to happen what While happens during peeing. that time so you can catch up really quickly <laughs> And so I'm looking at the Blue Beetle one, and I'll just pull that up and look at it. So if you view pee times is what it has.
2: Oh, my goodness. And
0: <laughs> it'll show you at a first pee time is 16 minutes in. And I'm like, that's too early. I'm not going to pee 16 minutes in. <laughs> but that you have four minutes and 10 seconds. And it's a scene that starts with, it says, run, run and pee when Jenny says to Jaime, text me. And it says about this P time, there's a nice father son conversation, but otherwise it's a good P time. <laughs> and so it gives you a little link, read synopsis and you can go there and, uh, read what's going to happen. Wow. P time I chose came in at 55 minutes, 50 seconds. It's a three minute, 30 second P time. Jenny says, come on. I think there's some of my dad's clothes upstairs and about this P time. We learn some of Jenny's backstory, which is easy to summarize. And then they give you a little summary of it. And then they have another one, and they tell you what they think is the best p time, and that's the best p time too, but it gives you the three options Wow, and then it gives you a poll of now that you've seen the movie, what grade would you give it and so like it's a whole movie experience too uh-huh. uh, but I just think the idea of having uh-huh. <laughs> an app i'm sh- I don't know how long it's been around. But I've thought about this kind of app a thousand times really? that it should exist. Really? And now that I know one exists and it is so well done,
3: You're
2: I'm
0: blown, a, I'm blown away. I'm going to use it every mm-hmm. single time we go to the theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if, my, if our kid says, hey, I need to pee, I'm going to look and say, well, let's see if there's a pee time coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> And if it's five minutes away, we'll wait five minutes and then we'll go pee.
2: It's like we're traveling down this road and we got to find the rest stop. Okay. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) So uh, it's it's a free app. Uh, I'm not even sure I've seen an ad on here. Um, But it's a free app called Run Pee. One word. Go download it. Check it out. Bring it to your next movie. It's fantastic. Run Pee. Uh, Now to wrap up the show, it's time for Today in Nerd History. Today in nerd history
2: Today's date is September 14th.
0: On September 14th, 1978, Mork and Mindy premiered. This spin-off from Happy Days is about an alien named Mork played by the late Robin Williams, who comes to Earth to learn about human culture and falls in love with a woman named Mindy.
2: On September 14, 1985, The Golden Girls premiered. This classic sitcom follows the lives and friendships of four older women who share a house in Miami, Florida. And the show has seen a renewed cult following in recent years.
0: On September 14, 1990, Tiny Toon Adventures premiered. This is a show about a group of young cartoon characters such as Buster and Babs Bunny, Plucky Duck, and Hampton Pig, who learn how to be funny at Acme Looniversity, where they are taught by classic Looney Tunes characters.
2: On September 14, 2009, Mario & Luigi: Bowser's Inside Story released. This role-playing game features Mario, Luigi, and Bowser as playable characters who have to work together to stop Fawful from taking over the Mushroom Kingdom and causing a disease called the Blorps. The game is divided into two worlds, the overworld, where Bowser explores and fights enemies, and the inside of Bowser's body, where Mario & Luigi help Bowser from within.
0: Find out more nerdy facts about today's entries at lovethynerd.com slash nerdhistory. We hope you have a fantastic day and we thank you for making Rise and Shine Nerds part of it. Catch us every weekday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern on YouTube or 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on LTN Radio.
2: You can also subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or through the Love Thy Nerd YouTube channel so you can catch up on any episodes you missed.
0: And tell us what you think of the show via our socials at Rise and Shine LTN on Facebook and Twitter. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. I'm Dater. And as always, a reminder
2: Jesus loves you, nerds.